0: This is a Federal News Network podcast.
1: Congress bought itself a short month to get together on final appropriations for 2022. Even if they do agree that there's a deal on March 11th, That means 2022 money will arrive nearly halfway through the fiscal year, and even then accounts won't be ready on the 11th. For contractor and procurement implications, we turned to federal sales and marketing consultant Larry Allen. And I don't know why people were so breathless about this so-called framework. All that meant was another three weeks of continuing resolution, and then maybe they have a deal.
0: Tom, uh, a framework was necessary to have what I call the fixes in. And when you have the leadership from the House and Senate Appropriations Committees negotiating hard for a couple of uh, weeks over getting a framework, the idea now is that all the people who work with them have been instructed, we want a deal. So we're going to get a deal. We're going to get an appropriations bill, an omnibus bill. Uh, Anytime you roll all 12 of them together, people, I think, rightly call it an ominous appropriations bill. But we're going to get one. In the meantime, contractors and government agencies are kind of stuck in second gear with uh, having a continuing resolution for another month. So by the time we get a final appropriation, which as you alluded to, probably will come around March 11th. I would hope that would be the deadline day. Uh, It'll be. You know, April 15th or so, hey, there's something to look forward to on tax day. You get your appropriations uh, before each individual office has its money. And that's really when the fiscal year begins.
1: Right. That would be well past the halfway point. And so for contractors, what can they reasonably expect the government to be able to do with that half a fiscal year, even though they might have full year appropriations?
0: Well, I think, Tom, we can expect to see projects be funded right out of the box. A lot of preliminary work's being done right now, everything that can be done without money uh, and, and not on all projects. But look, a lot of experienced veterans and federal agencies have told me they've got a pretty good idea of what their core funding is going to be. They know what projects they're going to be able to fund. So for that set of projects, that set of activities, uh, they can proceed up to the point where they need appropriation to actually drop the RFP or RFQ. Contractors can see expect to see, I think, very frenetic activity. There will also always be some surprises. Congress may fund some things more than agencies expected. Uh, They may not fund things at all that agencies thought were going to get funds. You know, those are going to be last minute surprises one way or the other. But the big thing I think that contractors can expect to see is that there really is no way, Tom, that agencies are going to be able to get all the money committed in five and a half months. No matter how quickly people move, no no matter how much advanced work they've done, there's going to be money left on the table. So if you're a contractor, even more so than in other years, you want to work closely with your customers to make sure your project gets funded, that you've made it as easy as possible for your agency customer to do business with you. That way you get your project through, they get to get their project done, and everybody wins.
1: Right. And then money that is unobligated by the end of the year then is in theory gone and it would have to be reappropriated. And of course, we won't have appropriations on October 1st of 2022 for the 23 fiscal year, realistically speaking.
0: That's right. It's going to be an election year. And traditionally in an election year, Congress kicks the bucket down the road until after the November elections. In this case, they're midterm elections. So I wouldn't expect to see anything for FY23 until December at the earliest. And you're right, Tom, any money that's unobligated, and that's the key. Is it obligated to an actual project? If so, then it doesn't go away when the bell tolls on October 1st. Otherwise, any obligated money for this year does go away. Uh, And agencies can look to Congress for giving them a very, very short runway to get their projects funded and get uh, critical things done.
1: We're speaking with Larry Allen, president of Allen Federal Business Partners, and a little bit something close to home here. A court of federal claims judge changed some guidance or reversed some guidance with respect to some GAO guidance with respect to contractors who may have lost a deal because prime personnel left during the solicitation and the government was counting on those people as part of their source selection. And now it seems like there's a little bit more freedom for contractors to lose people and still keep their deals. Potentially,
0: Tom, uh, what we're really talking about here, key personnel for a contractor on professional services contracts, many of them require companies to put in resumes of actual people, critical personnel who will be dedicated to the project should the company win. And What happens is the solicitation goes out, say, in February, the award isn't made until April, maybe there's a protest, and the project doesn't really get going until June. Well, between February and June, people might leave the company, they might retire, they might get dedicated to another project. All the GAO rulings to date on that scenario have taken the contractor to task, saying, You bid something and then essentially baited and switched. And the uh, agency has every right to reconduct a procurement if that happened. And now along comes the federal claims court judge saying, wait a minute, wait a minute. Let's apply a more common sense solution to this scenario. Companies really can't be expected and critical people can't really be expected to freeze in place. while government agency goes through the process of awarding a contract and doing all the things it needs to do to issue an authority to operate on that contract. And therefore, contractors shouldn't be done if they lose somebody through retirement or they took another job. They want contractors to have that flexibility. They're they're not giving you, as the contractor, carte blanche to put together a slate of key personnel just to swap them all out. They're not saying that. But they are saying, look, we need to understand that uh, time changes things. We need to be uh, aware of that and accommodate it. A couple of the contract lawyers I've spoken to on this case, Tom, think that now we have a conflict between at least one claims court judge and GAO. We're going to end up with uh, a case in federal court that will establish a precedent one way or the other on this, on how you treat your sure. personnel But for the time being, I think contractors can feel that they've at least got some level of flexibility that GAO had not given them before.
1: Right. And so for a superior court, a higher court to establish that precedent, that would then flow back to GAO, which ultimately makes its decisions based on its best understanding of statute.
0: Well, right. In fact, the claims court judge in his decision said that GAO's practice seems to be, quote, untethered, end quote from law or regulation doesn't mean that it's wrong. It just means that a GAO kind of created its own precedent. So if you'd get a legal case in a superior court, a district court that sets a precedent, that would be something that I think other venues would then look to, to decide future cases. Uh, That's probably really what we're hoping for now, because there are now some clouds here, depending on venue. And people would like some consistency, but at least there are clouds that are favorable, I think, to contractors, because up until now, GAO has been pretty clear that agencies can dun companies uh, who promise one slate of people, but then for reasons outside of their control, uh, can't deliver on that by the time the project gets underway.
1: Larry Allen is president of Allen Federal Business Partners. Thanks so much.
0: Tom, thank you, and I wish your listeners happy selling.
1: We'll post this interview at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Hear the Federal Drive on your schedule. Subscribe at Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your shows.
2: Hello, and welcome to the Lessons in Leadership podcast. I'm your host, Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA, and today I'm thrilled to be joined by Melissa Bradley, the founder and managing partner at 1863 Ventures, an investment company focused on
3: she was a staunch advocate around rights for renters um we were not in a financial position that we actually ever owned a home uh but she made sure that people who lived in various types of housing
2: as a company grows, WEPA is growing as well, and you are so spot on. We have, as, as leaders, we have to let go and trust those people that work for us and empower them to do their job and then let them roll, and that's not always easy.
3: Want more ways to show your good side to the world? Donate Plasma at a Griffal Center and join thousands of donors who are helping to save lives. Receive up to $1,000 your first month. Learn more at GriffalsPlasma.com.